When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. It is November 29th, 2020. This is episode 205. Unfortunately, Matt Barry's not here with us. We hope he feels better. But I'm me, Heather Ringerson, and across from me on my computer screen and the town is Mark Allred. How you doing, Mark? What up, what up? A little Ryan Whitney entrance right there, stolen. I know it's copywritten for the Spit and Chicklets guys, but I need it today. I am absolutely super stoked for this episode Missing Matt Barry. Hope he feels better. It was 11th hour kind of sickness. I completely understand. We are all human, but we will continue going on with the weekly episodes. But this one, folks, is probably one that I'm really looking forward to because it brings back a lot of childhood memories for me. We have Trent Bueller, the guy who made the bubble hockey or slash table hockey Boston Garden model game. It's unbelievable. The interview was awesome. Uh, the YouTube viewers are going to really enjoy it because they're going to actually see pictures of this thing. This is unbelievable. The audio listeners, please go to YouTube, Black and Gold uh, Hockey Podcast on YouTube. We have our own channel. You'll be able to see this madness happen and so on. So I'm super stoked. And plus, we have a lot of good uh, Bruins topics to discuss. So I mean, we're looking probably at a good good hour and a half, maybe two-hour program. Who's doing two-hour programs during the offseason? Nobody. One podcast is not even around anymore. So it's it's unbelievable. So anyway, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad everybody else is, and I hope everybody else is safe and healthy as numbers get, you know, arising and so on. 
and there's a lot of news. So we got to get right at it. So Heather, lead the way. Okay. Well, firstly, uh, I know we're going to give a shout out to Bet Online AG in a minute, but I just wanted to uh, piggyback on you and say I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, those of us in the States. And uh, we obviously hope everyone out there listening and everywhere is safe and as healthy as they can be. But that being said, as always, Bet Online is our show sponsor. And Mark, take it away. NFL football continues this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. No matter how the schedules change or players that play, betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else. Uh, head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, offers, and contests. And please don't forget to use promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. All right. Well, we'd just like to start off by not a big... Uh, Big deal for Brandon Carlo, turned 24 this week, and we just were reflecting on, man, the kids grow up. It seems just the other day you were a little young pup over there, Zidane Chara under his little wing, but now he's all grown up. I believe he got engaged a couple months ago or something like that, so happy birthday, Brandon Carlo. We just wanted to say that. Absolutely. And happy birthday to Brandon Carlo, a player that went, when he was drafted in the second round, I'm not quite sure what year that was, but... He was out playing in Tri-City in the in the Western Hockey League, and I was watching a ton of games out there of his. Um, you know, even back then, I thought he got too many penalties, but it's, it's really good that he came in uh, right out of the dub and right into the NHL, and, and, and in my opinion, has has really risen uh, up the, the, the ranks of the uh, the Boston Bruins defense, as in trust and so on, as a, great, as a good player, good shutdown guy. Um, and... Um, so happy birthday to him, and uh, hopefully that this continues because he can definitely he's definitely showing uh, as he gets older uh, uh, continued leadership skills. So uh, that that's always a positive thing, and it and it reflects down from above. I mean, Zdeno Chara was his under you know, is that a call an understudy? He was Zdeno Chara's understudy. Okay, so you know my no dyslexia. one's under Zdeno Chara. Yeah. He's the king. <laughs> right. So you know what I meant, and hopefully others uh, followed my fumble, but um. No, I mean it's just it's just a uh, it's just a staple of how this organization has been when it comes down to, uh, you know, tutelage from above. So, yeah. all good. Happy birthday, sir. Yeah, and they're the veterans now, so we'll see what him and Charlie and them can do. Uh, now that they are our veteran decor, it's crazy to think. All right, uh, so happy birthday. For- uh, one more time, Brandon Carlo. Okay, another big thing for our young kids: uh, the 2015 draft. As you said, uh, Jake DeBrusque, hello, got a contract. Yes? Yeah, yeah. I'm, excited? I'm, Were you excited? I was very excited. Um, I'm a huge Jake DeBrusque fan, and I was also one that is 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 able to, um, you know, al- not allow, because it's my, my organization or anything like that, but as a personal opinion, allow him to, like, get another deal and, uh, and and prove it. I don't think that a lot of the judgment that Bruins fans and inconsistencies and so on, you know, 
it, it just doesn't it doesn't hold water to me because he just came out of an entry level deal, which these kids are still learning. They're in the process of, of of continued development. Believe it or not, you are playing the NHL, but you're young enough that you you, you your development is still continuing. So. Uh, I didn't want to give up on him, and neither did the Bruins, and I'm happy about that because uh, maybe, you know, he can get a little consistency, um, you know, uh, instead of going so wide to the net, more in the middle, and, and go at the player, and and and, and he said he's going to bulk up, he's going to put on some weight, he's going to be more involved in physical action. Let's, you know, it remains to be seen, but these are all positive things that you want to hear from a player that's coming back to the team, and uh, and and I'll be honest. You know I'm a fence guy. If he doesn't freaking work out after year one, you still have a year of term left that can be a, a trade asset to another team. So it's not like you're going in, and and by the way, keep in mind, restricted free agent, I mean, sorry, um, I think he's going to be an RFA again, but uh, it will have, um, what do you call it, arbitration rights, arbitration to go along. So that another team that uh, Boston might be trading for, might see that, but that year of term in a trade is valuable because it gives another uh, team an opportunity to talk to Jake for a whole season for another big year and, and a long-term contract that he might get. What I do like about it, I'm sorry to go ramble on, Heather. What I do no, like about this whole thing is the fact that Don Sweeney sat down with him or whatever, an agent or Zoom calls that we're doing right now, and basically said, "Listen, Jake, we need, we want you to stick around, but we need you to work on the money and, and terms. So let's do a two year with with all the shit that's going on with this pandemic, and and then we'll revisit it after two years, and we'll try to get you what you need when we have a little more capability on the cap. Uh, I believe in two years you're going to have more than fifty million dollars in cap space. That's just a projection as of right now. So there are opportunities for him to sign long term if he proves it." If not, I can see him as a trade asset. So I'm like you. I like Jake DeBrusque. I'm glad we resigned him. I thought he was going to get about the same amount for three, but I understand also with financially. Uh, we all agreed he was not worth five, six million dollars. Someone told you that it wasn't true. Do we think maybe your next contract, if everything works out business wise, and you do, like you finish growing into yourself and clean up some of these, like uh, please stay on your. He gets so excited sometimes. I'm just like, stay on your feet, Jake. Because when he, when he is clicking, he's like a crazy little, you know, bee just buzzing, buzzing, buzzing everywhere. A little water uh, bug. But yeah, so he's getting, what, 3.675, something like that for two years, which is good bridge for him. And um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I would argue all of them from this draft class needs to either be here forever or you need to go so we can get new blood in. But that being said, I love Jake DeBrusque. I'm happy. I would prefer if they kept him up with Krejci because I feel like he is good with Krejci. And I know that some of it is his issue, too, you know what I mean? But I think Krejci is the kind of center that Jake DeBrusque can need if we can just kind of reel. If we could reel him back to Krejci's kind of methodical, fast but slow pace, like if we can get that into Jake DeBrusque and finish that, you know, like that whole thought process to be able to slow it down and speed it up all at the same time, and we get them a right winger, I'm talking that's going to be great. We won't just have one line. We'll have at least two solid lines as we should. And our third line's looking mint, and our fourth line's not so bad. So yeah. I um I think that even if uh, Bruce Cassidy wanted to go with my idea, which would probably be crazy for everybody else, but how would Jake DeBrus play the next two next at least the next year or two with uh, Patrice Bergeron as a second line center? 
and you know, and possibly a David Krejci at the front front of the pack um, this uh, this upcoming year. Probably won't happen because we know Bruce and how tight he is with those three up up top. But you know, you could see something different. You know, Jake could have a new partner in crime and, and really uh, spark his his development and and that and that second contract that he's got recently um, this week to um, to really get the best out of him because he sees how Bergeron works all the time. And Krejci's not a slouch. I'm not saying that at all. But it, the the inspiration like of young players to uh, Patrice Bergeron, this guy's like a practical god. You know what I mean? He's like the best two-way player in the league, in my opinion, uh, regardless of this uh, Selkie Trophy that went to uh, a very deserving um, Philadelphia Flyer, Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier. Couturier. So I can't say it, but that's all right. You know, Sean. So um, there's there's so much potential right here to do with Jake. You can move him around. His versatility is all right. And if things don't work out, he can automatically go. I'm not automatically, but he could be slotted down to the third line too, and still be a productive player next to Coyle and um, and possibly Craig Smith if Smith's not moved up to the second line. Akasha moved down to the right side on the on the third. So there's like there's like so many possibilities. Also, we still have the Seattle draft coming, so that'll be a whole interesting thing. That's I'd true. like to. I didn't really look into it. I, I, I'm interested because there are all these different rules about protecting. You got a, the seven players or whatever, but then there's all these things with your contract, RFA, this, this, and yeah. that. If you're in your first two minutes, so like the Bruins could technically resign, hit, uh, you know, whatever to go on the last day before the draft or whatever. Protect, you know, if they hadn't yeah. protected. I don't know. There's all these rules, but we'll have to look in that when we get closer to that. But I think. Um, this is definitely all I would like is that they do, I'm not saying that players shouldn't be versatile, but unlike Anders Bjork and them, you have specifically had this kid playing left wing for the last four years. So my only request is that we at least keep him on the left side unless there's an emergency and make sure Kasha and Smith or whoever, whoever ends up on the right, but leave Jake on the left because that is where he's more, he's been playing like since, you know, he's, his window of let's let him be more, you know, not all players are always diverse like that. Like a David Backus who their whole career play wherever you need them to within a line. Jake DeBrus, just leave him on the left side. I prefer the sec, you know, maybe at least the first year of this contract with Krejci's last year. Cause what does Krejci got to do? Get a new right wing and a new left wing. I mean, it might do wonders or like, even if you flip him and Bert, but I'm saying if you're going to do that, flip him, like you said, with Krejci and Bergeron. So at least he's playing with, Pasternak and Marshawn, if they ever come back, you know, I'm just kidding. When, when they come back, I meant when hockey comes back, I know they're coming back. I didn't mean it that way. So that's my only request for Jake DeBrus, but I'm glad to have him back. Cause I do like Jake DeBrus. One of um, uh, we're talking about David Krejci a couple of times. Um, and it brought me to a, just a, not a, not, not a topic that we should just, I mean, it is a topic we should discuss, but not a whole agenda item. Uh, but real quick, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, top shelf hockey, uh, shared a video um, last night or yesterday and mentioned David Krejci and how uh, he's possibly hearing that there could be contract negotiations for an extension sometime this offseason or the upcoming season um, to keep him for at least two to three years, uh, citing the possibility that the Bruins do not believe that their center depth is that strong, particularly in the um, in the minor pros and prospects? So, I mean, Sudika is your top prospect and a center, so I'm not sure if I totally agree with that. But I kind of do agree that they might want to keep a player like David around. So that's, a, that's just a possibility. But it's just, uh, 
at this point, it's just rumors. But it, it, you know, I like that guy and 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 the and the grind that he does to get his information out there, and it's and it's a good possibility that that happens if he doesn't want to retire and go back to his home country. Um, Bergeron, does he have? He has next year and the year after left. Let me pull Correct. up. Can Let you me look pull that up for me real quick? Because yep. I was thinking, David Krejci definitely has been in the culture. So if he gets an extension, he is definitely going to know what he's worth versus what he's worth to the Bruins. He won't get you know seven I mean? two. He will not. That's get what I mean. Is that I, I just mean that he's been in this culture. So he understands that he's not asking for that. Probably no. his next contract. He may ask for five for one more year and that might bring him to an end with Tuca. And you know, I mean, well, if they, assuming we'd extend Tuca, if he still wants to play, but I think for David Krejci, it's either play another season or two here and then go home or he's just going to be done. If he does, I don't feel like David Krejci probably, is so committed to still having to play in the NHL because he's accomplished what, you know, enough for a career, you know, Ooh. to not go back to, if he really wants to, he might just retire. If, he, if him and the Bruins can't come to a thing, he might go home for a little while, play there and come back and coach someday. But I hope he's still around. I bet he gets at least a year or two. David, What's all the ooh, ooh? David Krejci. Oh, I didn't know this. David Krejci has one more year. I knew that. Yeah. Patrice Bergeron has the 2021 and 21 22 season left. I thought it was three years, but it's oh, so two. I was right. It's two years, right? Yeah. So it could be a And then Charlie Coyle thing. goes all the way out to 25 26, and he's the longest current contract right now. Yeah. Yes. And Brad Marchand and Pasternak both have a few more years. I know, like, Brad Marchand's locked up for a few. And so, which is fine. I just, as Brad? it goes for like, huh? Where's Brad? Oh, he's already on injured reserve. Well, yeah, because they so have his, the surgery. So is Kevin Miller. Yeah. All right, so there's Pasternak. Okay, so Marshan goes out to 24-25. So Coyle's still in the lead with uh-huh. contracts, contract length. Yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, money-wise. But I think David Krejci, he'll, you know, not to get off topic with DeBras, but I think he'll probably at least – Get, do one year. Don't if Bergeron decides to call it a career, which he probably will, just because of his body. It's not, you know, he's he's been through a lot. He's a Superman. He might just want to go home and be with the kids and his wife for a little bit, you know. True that. Uh, they, if anything, I bet Krejci gets one, does one more year and finishes out with Bergie. It's only right, you know. Just all right. Well, that being said, speaking of retirement, that was actually inadvertently an excellent uh, jump to the next topic. Uh, we have to give our uh, accolades to Johnny Boychuk, who was forced into retirement, not on his own terms, due to an injury to his eye. Uh, the Islanders released a statement, I don't know, f- four days ago or something. But anyways, uh, I would be remiss if we did not give Johnny Boy, who was one of the original salary cap casualties of this team, I would argue, Um so I personally would like to say thank you, Mr. Boychuk, for your service here, just generally being a stand-up human being and uh, all your dedication to our organization and the Islanders. And uh, I was sad to see you go, and I'm sad you have to go out this way, but you had a hell of a career, and even though it's not your terms, you should be proud of what you did. So I don't want to get sad because I'm getting sad again. So, Mark, go. Oh, you're so sad. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Boychuk talk is 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 something um it's sad i mean it, it sucks and it shouldn't have ended like that but taking a skate to the face and, and getting an eye injury um and not being able to to use that vision um 
is is a tough way to to get out of the game. But um, you have to give him kudos for his career, uh, especially as a young pro. Uh, Mark Diver on Twitter tweeted this out that um, Boychuk uh, played for five NHL teams. I'm sorry, AHL teams before coming. Uh, I mean, Providence was his fifth team. And then with Providence got so noticed that the Boston Bruins could not uh, hold him back and then brought him up. And then the, the history is is all written from there um but just a hard worker to get to his his dream of of you know sustainability in the nhl so uh 2011 stanley cup champ you know there's that's something to be certainly proud of um but solid worker a solid hitter uh this is the type of guy that brought me back to the memories of ray bork and how he could like tuck that uh that hip so low and just come in and just drive somebody into the boards with a very clean freaking uh, hip check or body check or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, he did not get penalized a lot for his hitting. So uh, just a, a, a standout career, standout person, and it sucks that he had to go. And it's not that cap casualty, and, and a lot of folks don't understand this, that PC j- did not just trade him for two second-round picks. He was a cap casualty, which meant... They were hanging on to Mark Savard's five million dollars, which you can go over ten percent during the off season, but you have to be cap compliant um, forty eight hours before the season starts. That's exactly when Johnny Boy got Boy Boychuk got traded, was because they needed to be cap compliant and and PC had to rush. So there could have been other ones that could have gone too, but um, for that price and and those picks, I think that that was the best offer that the Bruins got. Uh, in a real, I mean, the Bruins were in a corner on this one. It's like we we either do this or do that, you know. So, yeah, that was definitely a. You know how I feel about the Chia pet, but that was definitely a. We're in a pickle here with the budget, and it sucks. And well, I mean, look I at Chicago. Look what Chicago had to do with their cap casualties. They lost Anthony okay. Pernarin. They lost uh, Taro Taravainen. It's like. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, it happens. But I, it just, I like I said, it just is sad that it had to go out this way. But uh, and also, it's been really nice seeing uh, all the other players send him wishes and stuff like that. So absolutely, you're well loved. You will be missed. And uh, just because you can't play anymore doesn't mean you won't find a place to still be a part of hockey somewhere. You know, we are, sure. so, you know, need te- you need coaches, you need teachers, you need people who have been there, done that to. Uh, create the next generations you know so uh speaking of a guy that feels like he's been around for a generation he nearly has is Zdeno Chara who is not officially the captain or signed to our team but uh as always as the Bruins do and not just because they have to they're stand-up humans and Chara did as he always does delivers uh tasty pies around for Thanksgiving and uh I just I don't know words on I just this dude is like unbelievable. He does not even, he still showed up because he said he would show up and he did, you know, and not a lot of people are like that generally. And it's just another way to just, whether you love or hate Chara as an actual defenseman, you cannot not like Zidane Chara as a human being. He's a beast. He's a kind human being. He's just awesome. And I really hope he comes back at least one more year because I don't want him to have to retire like that. Yeah. Sorry. Go. Yeah, I know. I understand that. And what a lot of fans have, uh, you know, have brought that up too. It's just this is a real tough way for him to walk away from the game. 
Um, but third straight year of delivering Mike's uh, Mike's pastries or Mike's Mike's cakes, whatever Mike's pies. Um, but uh, no, it's really cool. I think he took over for that when I believe Matt Bolesky was here. So he's been doing it on his own, and and like you said, not doing it under contract. So that just shows uh, how much of a class act that guy is, and 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 a true leader, and so on. Um, so hats off to him, and you know, it, obviously it went to a good cause to feed the the needy. I, I I'm pretty sure that that's what it was all about. Correct. Yeah, to make sure that people who can't have pie on their own get some pie and exactly get to share in the and especially those those pies are so good. Um, yeah. But I also, uh, this was my addition to the agenda. I also wanted to propose uh, an answer to what we're talking about with Zeno Chara and the pies and Thanksgiving and just being a class act. But I also wanted to say the retro jerseys um, came out and they are selling uh, retro jerseys that um, have lettering on them that say Zeno Chara. Now, a lot of people are thinking that Oh, he's definitely coming back because they they're making a jersey for him. I uh, just wanted to, your thoughts on that because I don't believe that that's the case. I don't think that they make jerseys. I mean, Zidane Chara is going to be selling jerseys like Ray Bork sold jerseys. You know what I mean? I have a Bork jersey. He doesn't play, so it's still a thing that people buy because of his nostalgia. It's the history. It's so on. Just because he's getting a jersey doesn't automatically come back and say he's going to be on the team. I, I just absolutely hate that. I hate when people just say, listen, Chara did say in his season-ending or year-ending uh, press conference, he'd like to be back. He wants to keep going. He feels he has this, the ability to keep going. That's fine and great. People take that and they're like, you know, straightforward. They're like, this is what he said. He says he's coming back. He's automatically coming back. No, you still have to deal with the management and so on. People just don't understand that. Yeah, I think he's a 43-year-old man or so that has to have a conversation with his wife and family, enjoy some downtime, let his butt, like, like, Jumbo Joe's out there still skating or whatever he's doing on one of his favorite places to go when the NHL is not playing as scheduled, you know, yeah, and maybe Char is just being a dad and doing his thing and he's doing his crazy workouts on his own and he'll start skating soon enough and then he'll worry about negotiating. I think Matt's spot on to that. Whether Chara signs here, anywhere else, or just retires is on Zidane Chara. But I really, that's what I thought both ways was, I'm like, well, I don't really think just because the name's on. I mean, I could order one that says Ingerson on the back. It doesn't make, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. They might have just had Chara's name because, like you said, he's marketable. Because I was thinking, because he's still here, he's not quite like a Ray Bork or an O'Reilly or something. But I was thinking that, though, his jersey, once Chara isn't here anymore, his popularity here is going to just keep skyrocketing because even though he is loved here, he is beloved here. I mean, there's, there are people who, again, argue maybe with him on the ice, but no one's arguing with him as a human, as a captain, as like a stand-up dude that helped change actually culture. You know, we're talking about changing hockey culture so much this year and the last year. And he's a dude that did some of those things that people always talk about. Everyone gets treated the same. I mean, yeah, sure, some of that's fine. But he changed the way that you razz the other guys and stuff like that. Instead of it being denigrating or whatever, he made it so, no, like, I might be six foot ten and you might be a rookie and I might have the C and you might not. But in this room, we are all equal because we are a team. And I think that inspires other people who have those same kind of skills to change it in their locker rooms. And before you know it, that's how we really change culture in the NHL. 
That's all I'm saying. He's a solid dude. But then I was, yeah, I'm like, I don't think he's quite ready to be like the, the classic, you know, when you're like, oh, I really, man, I really love Cheever's cutting a jersey. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he'll get there though. He's going to keep making money as a Boston Bruin forever and ever. And once a Bruin, always a Bruin. But yeah, stand Speaking up, of cheesy. Guy. Speaking of cheesy, I got a jersey signed from Jerry Cheever's. Move it a little closer for the YouTube friends. No, I'll, I'll put up a picture. Okay, yeah. So, well, that's yeah, for the Patreon. Patreon. Good things happening Talk over about there. That later. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to head over to our interview with Mr. Trent Bueller, who was nice enough to give us some time, even though he is three hours behind us. He's up and gave us some time, and we got to bond as Bruins fans a little bit. So, thank you. And, Mark? Yeah, I'm pumped for this, up this upcoming um, interview, and I hope everybody is too. We had such a great, uh, great talk. So um, we're going to talk to him, and then we're going to hear from the great folks at the store next door.ca. It's still before Christmas, so please support those guys up there. They're a great Yarmouth, Nova Scotia-based company doing great things for great people. But we'll hear from them after that, and we'll be back talking. But here is the interview with Trent Bueller, the originator of the uh, old Boston Garden uh, table hockey game so please enjoy and if you're not on youtube and you're not following us on youtube you're not going to see these pictures because it's outstanding work but uh here's the interview with trent we'll be right back hey bruins fans as mentioned in the beginning of the program we do have a very special guest this uh this morning and uh he's calling in on zoom from uh edmonton Al alberta and he is the creator of the old, original Boston Garden table hockey game. His name is Trent Bueller. Trent Bueller, welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, bud. Hey, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, dude, I was so, so pumped that we could, uh, we talked a couple days ago, we got a schedule down, and you committed, and that we, we locked it in, and I'm super stoked to have you on, man. Awesome. All right, so I'll just start off with, with the questions. Um, let's go back to, um, you know, did you grow up in Edmonton? Uh, no, actually, I was born in Saskatchewan, and I grew up in Calgary, and I think I've been in Edmonton for about 30 years now, maybe. Nice. Like 1990. And uh, what, what do you do for occupation? Uh, currently, I work in a machine shop. I'm a quality manager, which is why I have such a crazy attention to detail, I guess. That's awesome. And one, one, one more question for me real quick. Being so far away, either in Saskatchewan or, or in Alberta... What was the drive to be a Boston Bruins fan? Uh, Bobby Orr. Ever since I was little, loved Bobby Orr. And the Bruins had just always been my team because I moved around so much. And, you know, there wasn't a Calgary Flames or an Edmonton Oilers when I was a kid. So the Bruins were my team, and they still are. That's awesome. Go ahead, Heather. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of people say that in cities, you know, that now we just think always had teams there and they really didn't. So a lot of people fall back on the original six. And we're glad that you came with our tribe. <laughs> um, I guess, well, Mark asked, you know, thing, but I just I was wondering just basically with how beautiful your craftsmanship is, is this a talent you've always had, like working with your hands, creating like, you know, craftsmanship? You know, I don't it's not like typical fine arts, but maybe th that's something you can do, too, where you got natural talent with your hands and creative mind yeah i guess i've had uh i've had a ton of jobs in my lifetime and i've done lots of stuff with my hands i actually worked at a dental lab making teeth for many years very small little tools and stuff and i've always kind of drawn or painted and i've always made things and uh this is actually i think the fourth table hockey game i built the other ones were not anywhere near as elaborate but uh this is the big one 
So you must have loved that game as a kid, table hockey. I love table hockey. I love old toys, especially old mechanical toys that work, you know, tin stuff, you know, just things they don't make anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been a huge fan of that stuff. So and I, I collect table hockey games. I've got a whole mess of them that I'm storing as well. So that's my that, thing. That's awesome. So the table hockey generally is just a passion of ours, and we're just lucky enough. You're also a Bruins fan. So we got exactly. to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Man, just bring it all together. Uh, That's so, awesome. Uh, Trent, let me ask you, um, uh, where, where did the base start in this project of the old Boston Garden? Did it start from an original game, or did you build the slide and the whole table itself? The whole thing. The only thing I didn't uh, build is the actual players on the ice. I made the guys on the benches, but the players on the ice are actually from a game that was made in the uh, late 70s, early 80s by Coleco. It was called the Coleco Game Room. And they're 3D, and I really like them. They're like super detailed. They got different positions. And uh, over, geez, over the last like 25 years or so, whenever I see them, I buy them. You know, they're pretty rare. But uh, you know, if I'm at an antique mall or something, and I see a stock, I grab them all. So I've got about 23 teams, I think, just waiting to be painted. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And what, what yeah. other stadiums did you do? Uh, this is the only complete stadium I've done. I did, while I was been working on this, I had a couple other guys ask me if I would just build, uh, you know, sections of seats. So I did, uh, I did four of those. I think I did two other, uh, Boston garden ones, just the load sections, maybe like, uh, 36 inches long. I think it was about five sections of seats, three rows. And then I did a, uh, about the same size again, Wells Fargo center, Philadelphia. And then uh, I just finished a uh, Chicago stadium as well. Yeah, I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah, that was a fun one, actually. Yeah, awesome. Um, I was going to say that uh, you had mentioned, well, at least in the interview I saw with you, uh, that probably um, old Toronto Leafs, you know, the Maple Leafs Garden would be your next adventure if you do, you know, if you have another two years and you want to make something <laughs> that would make other hockey fans very happy. Um, so I was wondering, were there any other, um, either current or obviously older uh, arenas and gardens that we don't have with us anymore that you would take on if after Toronto, what would you do? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I, I've been to the forum. I saw a game in about 91 and I mean, like growing up in, in Canada, hockey night in Canada was what we did every Saturday night on TV. And it was either from uh, Toronto or from Montreal. So like, just, I remember seeing it on TV and like the forum it was like, you know, just the, the atmosphere it was like a darker building it had the blue kick plate on the boards i really loved it really dark red first row and stuff so that's another one i would like to do chicago stadium i just really love the old buildings you know the character you can't beat it you know yeah that's awesome um Um, go ahead oh i'm sorry i just wanted to ask because i mean as someone who is has a talent for these kind of things and you obviously have a passion for this particular like table hockey uh, restoration or whatever, trying to build your own. Um, I'm wondering what was probably your most challenging or frustrating part of it. And besides completing it, what was your most satisfying? Like what part was like, yes, you couldn't get it. And then you did. Oh, there's been so many moments like that. Cause I started it with no plans, none. I didn't draw anything up. I didn't do anything. I like, I thought about doing this for honestly about 10 years. It was in my head. I was thinking about it. I was like, I wonder if it's even possible. You know, you start getting something that's this long and you've got seats behind the net and stuff. Now your rods are getting really long. And so I didn't even know if it would actually work. And so the entire time I've been building, like it's been two years since I started. I don't work on it all the time. It's just something that's up in my shop that I go play around with it when I have some time. 
So it's really, uh, it was just a matter of I would do something and I would start building it. And then I would say that doesn't look right. And I would scrap it and then I would start. So I'm, I probably could have been done, I don't know, half a year ago, maybe longer. <laughs> but I just kept doing it. But I, I mean, I, I, I spared no expense. I mean, I cut every individual pane of glass that goes around the rink. Uh, you know, I, I made the stanchions between the glass. Um, probably the trickiest part and the most satisfying once I got it done was just figuring out how to do the corners around the, you know, the ends of the rink with the seats because there's so many angles. It was like uh, my brain was... Uh. And that's actually something that Heather brought up in the last week's podcast when we were talking about the... Um, the time when the Boston Bruins first played the game at the Boston Garden was was those uh, uneven uh, uh, structures or areas of the rink because it was constantly a wraparound kind of uh, uh, walkway. Yeah, yeah. So you had to uh, you had to basically build it. Well, let's just put it this way: the the um, the technology back in the day wasn't so wasn't so good. So they had to like build everything that went along with angles. But the yeah. way you, the way you did it just brought it back so, so so good. And what I really loved about it was uh, your finished product and the way you got your camera into like the obstructed views because yeah, that's yeah. where my old man used to buy tickets all the time. And then we'd sit there for like a minute or two to see if we could actually see the game and then go yeah. up to the gallery gods and hang out up there. <laughs> right. Well, that's the funny thing about it. Like I built it so it can be because it's so big. I made it so it could be taken apart easily in case I wanted to take it somewhere or do something with it or if I have to move someday, right? And that shot was just a accident a couple of weeks ago. I had one of the panels off and I was turning around and I looked back and I went, "Oh, look at that! I gotta get a picture of that." Nice. Really, you know, it worked. Um, I was, that was one of the things I wanted to say to you is that, um, I'm sorry that you didn't get to go. Well, so I have a question, but also just yeah. a comment. Um, I'm sorry you didn't get to go to the garden because really the only thing like Mark, he's saying about the seats. Like I remember even as a kid, the only thing that kept me not falling down was the sticky stairs from all the beer <laughs> on the ground and peanuts or whatnot. But it honest to God, when I saw your creation, I could feel myself. And I know you had said, you know, it's not perfect. Of course, it's not going to be perfect. You know, you know what I mean? But yeah. what you did in itself is miracle work. And I'm sure you'll probably tinker as you go, you know. But oh, yeah. I was wondering if you could have been at the garden, right? Because I just, all I could think is, oh, I remember watching wrestling there. And I, that's where I sat with my first Marty Brodor game. Shout out to Mark because he brought me. And then, <laughs> you know, so what... Is there any moment or game or, I mean, I guess a couple, you know, that you wish that you could have gone to the garden to experience? Oh, I don't know about any particular game. I just wish I could have made it there. I didn't travel a lot when I was young, you know, so I never, by the time I went to Boston, it was, I think it was 2001. And, it, you know, I'd missed it by what, six years at that point, I guess. Um, geez, I don't know. Plenty of games. Yeah, I don't know. I can't pick one. Sorry. That's fine. I didn't mean yeah. to stump you. <laughs> oh, really <that's> good. <laughs> and you're forgiven because you grew up 2,500 miles away or something. It's not like you grew up in Buffalo. And there's well, an that's the only time I made it to Boston, too. I was living in Toronto for a couple of years, and I drove down just to go to Fenway to see a ball game. Nice. You know, and that was uh, the only time I got to make it there. That's awesome. Exactly. Yes. Um, oh, geez. I got so many. Uh Build, building that building that structure. I mean, it is a structure, and it's a work of art, in my opinion. But uh, did, did um, <laughs> and being where you're from for thirty years, 
Did you ever really just keep thinking as you're working along about the 1987-88 season and the 1989-90 season, particularly in those playoffs when the Edmonton Oilers and Boston Bruins did battle, the lights went out, and could you put an an outage at this garden? (laughs) And and fog. (laughs) you got to do the fog. (laughs) I know. I get asked that all the time. It's like, oh, do do the lights go on all the time? So that's the thing. Like, this is the crazy thing. It's still not even finished yet, right? Like, this just kind of blew up on me in the last week. You know, I've, I've been uh, I've been sharing photos with a couple of Facebook table hockey groups for like the entire time I've been building it. You know, everybody's like, "Hey, that's cool." And then like a week and a half ago, and Hockey Beast picked it up and it went nuts. So I've been doing all these appearances and you know podcasts and things, and it's like you guys haven't even seen what it's really going to look like in the end. So uh, it gets better. <laughs> uh, now you're just teasing it up, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just finished the score clock last night, actually, and it's going to blow people's minds. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sneak peek, sneak peek. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because there are so many questions, like Mark said, and I know for the last, like, week or two, you've just been answering the same questions or whatever. So we're trying to make it a little different. So my... I have one last like kind of serious question. I'll go to Mark, but then I'd also like to maybe talk to you about being a Bruins fan outside of Boston, because that's an interesting thing. But I I guess, like you said, it just blew up. Like all of a sudden here's Trent everywhere. The hockey world, like Bruins fans were like, Oh my God. It's like you brought our like Christmas game early or whatever kind of thing. (laughs) But um, how has the response been? And you can be honest because we know Bruins fans can be brutal. They'll be like, Oh my God. That's a 45-degree angle, and it was supposed to be 47. (laughs) It's been great. Actually, the best part has been all the people that, you know, spent time there and grew up there and just seeing their reactions, you know. Like, uh, lots of people have been reaching out to me, and it really is – it's really something. Like, you know, people are like – they can't believe I wasn't there, like, honestly, right? I mean, I've had people, like, you know, just picking details of, like, the glossy paint on the walls in the hallway. Like, are you sure you were never there? (laughs) stuff like that and it's really great and it's been like uh non-stop especially this past couple of weeks like i just i haven't had a break yeah well, i was laughing because you said uh, a guy with a luchador mask had sent you a picture to make himself uh figurine and we're i was laughing because bruins yeah. luchador is bruins luchador and we're that's like good. of course he's gonna end up in the table <laughs> hockey game but that's funny i'm like oh he's talked to the bruins luchador i think yes. is. so i'm just saying if you want to you can put us in there too no, just, <laughs> well, just, just for the record i think he's actually the sixth person that's asked to be in it so uh yeah nice I had a good look at you guys now so don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and this will be up on youtube so you can do a uh, uh like a still frame and you know do it up good we can add make that list to eight just saying <laughs> there we go. oh it's been really cool yeah what is it what is it like now being a bruins fan now that there are the flames have moved up there from atlanta and the oilers have their you know and has got have gone through some dynasties and obviously vancouver and what you will now even well, the jets are back I'm definitely alone. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, I grew up in Calgary. And so I think it was 12 when the Flames came to town. So, you know, I was a little kid. I was like, I was into it. All right, here's the team. Fine, right? I mean, Bruins are still my guys, but I, I cheered for them. And uh, it, which kind of, you know, back in those days, I mean, that's when the Oilers were just killing it. Right. And I'd be watching a Flames game. They'd be up, you know, 5-2 going into the third period and lose 7-5. You know, so I... My uh, 
I don't want to say hatred, but, uh, you know, my frustration with the Oilers was there. And then uh, I'd actually moved back with my parents to uh, Saskatchewan for a little while in 87, 88 during that playoff run. And so I got to see lots of Bruins because they made the run because of Canada, you don't see them a lot, right? So I really fell in love with them again because I love those Terry O'Reilly coach teams in the late 80s. Those were, that's my kind of hockey, right? And so that's really stuck with me. And I mean, uh, 2011, I was like through the moon. I got to actually see them win the cup. Fantastic. And I still, uh, I don't miss them when they come to town. So that's great too. Nice. That's, like, that's the one game I go to the year. Where were you when we when we hoisted the cup? I know exactly where I is and what I was doing. Where were you? I, I have a picture. I was in my living room. I think I have a picture of me standing in front of the TV like this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was great. I loved it. That was a good team too. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Trent, going back to the, the, the construction of the rink, um, yep. I know that you said on uh, the interview with the Edmonton Journal that uh, you spent, um, uh, what, 12 hours a day on the weekends and sometimes a little bit at night because you do have a work schedule and so on. Um, it's, the time and dedication is just amazing. But uh, And I know you said that you don't, you don't exactly know the hours because you'd be afraid to learn how, how much time you've actually put in. <laughs> But just tell us the process and, and how much time and, and, you know, just just going along with it. I don't know where I'm going with this, but just <laughs> sorry, I got a little tongue tied there. No, that's good. Well, like I said, like with no plans at all. Right. I was just kind of like I started by just I cut the slot pattern, you know, and I, I had to first I had to map that all out, make sure all the players could still bump into each other. I didn't want it. You know, I wanted it to be a good playable game. I didn't want it just to be a model in the room, right? So I spent a ton of time working on that. And then uh, I think I did the boards and the glass next and got that all up. And because I built it into a table, I knew I was going to put the building around it. So I'd sort of worked out how big everything was going to be. But I spend an awful lot of time uh, planning. So a lot of those 12 hours in the weekend is probably me just daydreaming, sitting on the couch going, how am I going to get that one balcony just the right pitch you know and stuff like that and because it's all hand done work i mean i'll, I'll paint something and i leave it to dry and I'm, I'm including those hours as well right so but but uh i know now to do another one i've got it all dialed in now it'll be so much faster if i go to do another one next and that's part of the problem too is i started doing these commissions for other people and learned better ways to do it that i actually look back at this and went you know i could do that whole lower section of this game better and then I stop myself. <laughs> so I'm going to keep going. That's <laughs> awesome. Trial by error. Trial by error. I love exactly. it. Yes. Love it. All right. Um, Heather, do you have anything else? Um, I just had more of, I'm, again, I know that you've been in it, but it's interesting to talk to another fan outside of here. So um, I actually wanted to know, um, one of the running questions in the Bruins fan case is, is Tuca awesome or do we all hate Tuca? We were just, I was just wondering what side of the camp you fell on. Is Tuca elite or needs to go? Jeez, I don't know. I like Tuca. That was weird, the whole uh, taking off, you know, during the bubble stuff. But I sort of get it, too, you know. So uh, I didn't think anything bad of him. I still like Tuca. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem there. I'm asking because these are questions that, at least in Boston proper, fans are always 
mad or arguing about. So I guess I'd also ask to, like to ask you, do you, the do you know what the meth bear logo is? Like you no, know the scaries from like the do you 90s. Remember, do you remember the um the jerseys of the eighties and nineties when the 90s. when the bear was is that what they on call the it? shoulder? Yeah, that well, they call it the meth bear because he's got like weird eyes and so on. <laughs> okay, because yeah. I love that's my favorite Bruins jersey. And those you, crests are my favorite part. And if you want to hear really how crazy I am, I bought a home white Bruins jersey in the 80s. And uh, the only one I could get, because I'm in Canada, didn't have that. And so, believe it or not, I had some free time way back when, and I embroidered those crests onto my jersey myself. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Solidly in Math Bears camp. Uh, we are not so much. So now I have a okay. question for you. Sure. Okay on the... Crest on the shoulders, yeah. but what would you think as the center of the jersey? You really love those jerseys. You know what? I have a T-shirt with that in the center. Right? Yeah. I never really thought, but look, it's crazy. I didn't know that was the meth bear, but I've always, I love the meth bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Luchador has a sweater one. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, you see him up there so, doing the uh, rally towel at the games, getting the freaking crowd okay. going on the Jumbotron. Okay, well, in case you didn't know, then we'd also like to share with you the sleepy looking, not scary bear on the yellow jerseys is called Pooh Bear. That's how we refer. So, you like the Pooh Bear? Okay, so that's the thing. I know, I'm only, yeah. I just wanted to ask you some fun questions too, as the For Bruins sure. fan. Um, and I would like to just ask you my poll I took a couple weeks ago Who do Bruins fans hate the most? Tuca, the Bruins, other Bruins fans, or Ulf Samuelson? What's your choice, sir? I'm going to have to go with Elf Sam. <laughs> you pass. You're part of it. We're not kicking you off this island, my friend. Yeah. You passed the test. Oh, I'm so glad you joined us today. Mark, do you have anything else that you just... Yeah, well, I just got one more question related to the, the potential upcoming season with the air quotes for the uh, audio listeners. Um, uh, thoughts on the, the moves or lack thereof this season? And how can you compare last year's team that... Seemingly did okay in the bubble, not great, but and, and what, what's your expectation, expectations for a 2021 campaign? I don't know. I'm wondering about defense with no crew. That's a little concerning to me. I, I do like a lot of the Bruins defense. I know Miller's supposed to be coming back, possibly. I'm not sure whatever happened with that guy. But well, he, uh, they signed him. They signed him, yeah. and um, and he's like he's healthy enough to participate, so... Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got at least one more year under his belt. Well, he's not going to replace Krug anyways. Just, no, no. But uh, also, uh, who else went? Uh, Nordstrom, too. Did he not go somewhere? Calgary. Yeah. I liked him, too. He was a great good penalty killer guy. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, uh, with this whole, you know, the way the world is right now, I haven't even really been paying super close attention because, like, is it happening? Is it not happening? No? Well, you know they're, I mean? they're talking about an early January. That's what they're saying. But Gary Bettman's also said that, uh, early January, there will be fans in the stands. I don't know what that guy's smoking, but that's just a little that's that's a little crazy expectation. But without fans in the stands, I can see an early to mid January return um, yeah. with a forty eight to sixty game schedule, and not not to interfere so far into the summer when the twenty twenty one Summer Olympics are going to happen, and that TV time is all going to be generated or navigated over to that. Um, I think a shortened season is going to happen, but. Yeah. Remains to be seen when they're going to start because every day now is just a it's a pressure situation for the team the leagues to get done because 
a lot of the European players, the Bruins and, and the the rest of the league, they're at home. So they'd have to do a two-week mandatory quarantine yeah, right. when they get here. So uh, planning your um, your your preseason and your um, and all your workouts uh, has to get done as soon as possible. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty weird. Yeah, it's, well, 2020 is just a big kick in the nuts anyway, so. <laughs> it's totally weird how he's like, with fans in the stands, I'm like, where? In Dallas? Because most other places, north and south of the border, there are no fans, not at football, or there's oh. bare minimum. And, okay, some places maybe you can have that, but come on. Yeah. Let's just work on can we safely get them to work in back. Without, exactly. You know, yeah. worrying about whether we can be there with them because we can watch them on TV. It's called okay. remote viewing it's like zoom but just how you used to watch sports just exactly um yeah so uh yeah i don't know that's it for me i guess i don't really i just i wish we could talk more and more about the details and whatever i do want to say when i saw the bay bank on the boards i just it's funny and then i it just had me thinking of like oh man it just it feels like it was so long ago it was so long ago but it really wasn't that long ago before it again i just really want to thank you for as a Bruins fan, starting with this one first. And maybe you'll make a second one. Like you said, you've learned things a long way, but don't stop this one. We want to see the product first. I know. I got to finish it. I got to finish it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, definitely, um, we'll definitely have you back on when the finished product is all set and done. We see pictures and video of that. We'll uh, definitely invite you on to, to get an update if you're, if you're willing to, to join us again. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Awesome. Actually, I agreed to do a podcast a couple months ago, and it was uh, – Montreal Canadiens podcast. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I remember I was kind of disappointed going, hmm, I really wasn't expecting this. But I fell through. So uh, besides if I would have did it, maybe you guys wouldn't have had me on. <laughs> oh, no. I had you on so we can talk about how you didn't totally want to. Uh, don't even get me started. Canadians. I fought a whole room of them at, at fours once. They're just uh. I'm so well. Let us know because if you do get on a podcast with a bunch of Montreal Canadian fans, I'll be interested to be here. Yeah, we'll listen for sure. Um, Trent, do me a favor and plug anything that you'd like your Twitter, your Facebook, a website, anything you want. Uh, I, most of my uh, work is on my Instagram, Old Time Table Hockey. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Trent, thank you very much for the time today. Thank you for your dedication to Boston fans and, and, and the project that you did. Uh, not only gratifying for yourself, but dude, you really reached out to a huge, huge following here in New England, man. And I'm just so happy that you had the opportunity to join us and talk about it today on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Take care and be safe and uh, best wishes to your family. All right. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs one stick at a time. Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. 
There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. Hey Bruins fans, we're back and I uh, just heard from the great folks at the store next door.ca, a great Yarmouth, uh, Nova Scotia company. Please support them. Uh, used hockey sticks becoming furniture and other great items around the house. Uh, so go check them out. Storenextdoor.ca on the website and order some fantastic stuff. But speaking of fantastic, right before we heard from the the uh, the folks at, from the store next door, uh, we had that that interview with Trent uh, Bueller, uh, the the creator of the Boston Garden freaking table hockey game. And let me tell you, that was a lot of fun hearing from him. And and so thanks so much to Trent for uh, the time today because he is in Edmonton and is three hours behind as as Heather mentioned before the break. But um, I, I just had so much fun. I did too. It was really great. I'm glad he gave us our time. I mean, he's talking to everybody and I very felt, busy guy. Yeah, very thankful that he gave us just you know 20 minutes, 25 minutes of his time, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to him again soon. Absolutely, oh. definitely have him on oh. again. All right. Well, we'll do what Matt would want us to do right now. One, he'd want me to be more focused. That's why he is in charge. Two, we're going to go with whatever happened to Matt's poll from last week as he is not here to give us an update in case any inquiring minds. As a reminder, his thing was Bruins fans, who is your Bruins whipping boy? And he put on there Tuka Rask, David Krejci, Jeremy Jacobs, and Zdeno Chara. And once again, Tuka is number two. You're number two. You're number two. Because... Bruins fans, just like Ulf Samuelson, actually, they proportionately hate Jeremy Jacobs more than Ulf Samuelson. I'll just say 55% on mine. But 65%, Jeremy Jacobs, always and forever, will be the hate. He will, he, we won't even see him for like years and years, and he will still be the reason that we are mad as fans. So I'm glad, I'm glad that Chara and Krejci only got a small percent. 25% for Tuka is ex- accepted. Like 25% of the fan base is always going to vote. I'm actually surprised it wasn't higher. Yeah. Well, Jeremy Jacobs is in there. (laughs) Just like when I threw in Ulf Stamilson, this was a test. (laughs) This is a test. Uh, But yeah, only 2% for Chara and 8% for Krejci. And again, I don't know how even 8% of you, I just, I don't understand not loving Krejci. I just don't. Okay. Well, we're going to move on from that and we're going to, I'm sorry, Mark, I don't mean to bring up Tori. Tory Crew, but it's not my fault because this week something so awesome happened, and you know it, right? This was my addition to the agenda, madam. I know. So I was happy because <laughs> I went to put it on, and I was like, "Oh, good, Mark already put it on." Because I didn't want. I, on one hand, I know he knows it's awesome. On the other hand, he probably doesn't want to give me any opportunity to ever have well, Tory Crew for it. But I, um, I, I have the letter. I don't want to read the whole letter. If you did not, it's very easy to look up if you did not actually read the letter. But this week, Tory Krug sent. His buddy Liam, as we all know, fist bump kid, uh, a Tory Krug um, jersey from St. Louis. And basically, I love you. Here's some memories about them together. I thought it was hilarious when he said, do you remember when Adam McQuaid was my defense partner? And like just little things. And he, um, Liam, uh, if you, I don't know if you don't know who Liam is, but uh, he is a cancer survivor and he is the unofficial, just like extra member of this team. He is always like just his spirit and he is very beloved by this team and this fan base and it was nice because him and Tori Krug have a special bond so I don't really want to read all of it but he basically is like 
nice letter to Liam. Look it up if you want to, because I don't want to cry because it would be hard to actually read the letter. But Mark, uh, you got to be honest. I mean, said uh, just the end of it. He says, so before I go, I just wanted to say I love you, dude. So that sums it up. I'm going to cry. It was awesome. Go ahead. All right. So, um, yeah, it was just an unbelievable moment and, and good for that kid. Because, uh, you know, he's just, just an inspiration. Um, and also mentioned that when he's when these guys are together uh, next time, whenever that happens, uh, that he's going to sign the jersey too, So, which is very cool. So good on Tori Crew to keep the, um, the friendship going. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's actions like this from these guys that make every day so much easier for, for somebody that's either been through a tough situation or going through a tough situation currently. So, um, no, it's just, it just, just speaks so much volumes to how these people think and, and with their hearts above their, above their contracts and their pay Mm -hmm. and, and their, you know, overall status in, in, in society, whether it be sports or not. So, um, no, it's just, a, it, it is, it's a heart wrenching moment and, and, and we need more of that and to keep it going. Right. I believe this is a great, the, the, the game of hockey is such an ambassador to so many things. Um, good, whether it be cancer, whether it be children's hospitals or, or you know, anything like that. It's just a constant respect, uh, that, uh, I see, um, on, on the regular. So keep it going. Even during tough times like this, these guys are finding ways to, to reach out and, um, and, you know, make somebody's day. So, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is that it shows that it's more than them. Just like you said, doing what they're contractually obligated to do. You find friends and you can make friends. And sometimes you never would ever cross paths with someone, you know, and sometimes just little moments, like, like Tori was saying, he remembers the first time they were all meeting, he was giving them and, uh, Greg Campbell hurt his hand. He fist bumped him so hard. That was, you know what I mean? Like it shows that these, uh, athlete like Chara, we were talking about making sure that what he's done and he wants to do, he gets done. It's nice that it's reassuring to Liam that, you know what I mean? It's not just because you were brewing, you were here, but like real bonds through the charities and through, you know, whatever, even just the youth sport league things and this and that really, really, um, they take the time to really get to know. And they, you know, whether it's for a moment or a lifetime of friendship like this, and it's great. And just another reason why the Bruins are awesome. And St. Louis, you're lucky to have Tori because he is going to be great for your community. And Liam, just awesome. I mean, I don't want to wear it in St. Louis, but like the St. Louis logo. But I love that your friendship is that important to both of you that we all got to be a little part of it this week. Exactly. Okay. That being said... That from something good heart wrenching to something not good heart wrenching is HL and the NHL. We're still kind of, I we've got I don't know, just thoughts. What's going on? Is the HL happening? Is the NHL happening? Just the uh, a lot of the stuff that's, that I've been reading in the past couple of days um, from Patrick Williams and, and David Foote listening to that podcast and the articles that have been coming out, uh, especially one from Sportsnet, uh, concerning the AHL. Uh, the, the the American Hockey League is going to need um, a lot of support from the NHL to, to make anything happen because these guys aren't going to get the asses in the seats uh, for their businesses to make any money. So... Um, this is really not a good move forward. The uh, the minor pro leagues have said that they want to come back 
uh, right around the beginning of February. I know the AHL was targeting a uh, February 5th date, but they were also targeting a December 4th date too, which got pushed back because numbers were increasingly getting higher. And they are, and they continue to get higher. So I'm not sure how February's, the landscape in February is going to make anything easier. We're still in cold and flu months. So um, I think that the, uh, the, the AHL is basically reaching out saying that um, a little less than half of our teams who aren't owned by the, um, the uh, parent clubs um, are going to struggle. And, and the Providence Bruins are one of those. The Boston Bruins do not own the Providence Bruins. They are just an affiliate. That's it. So they are one of 12 teams that don't have any support uh, from the higher uh, NHL team. So um, if, like, I've been talking about this for the last two or three weeks because it continues to be a daily subject or things are changing. But the... the the idea that the AHL wants is, and the NHL, I believe, is to do these uh, divisions, which are close. We talked about all the teams that are in the Northeast Division, and there's going to be a Canadian freaking division, and then a Western and Central. But uh, is to have your AHL clubs follow around. And if you do that, if you kind of like, like do a, an NHL and an AHL minor pro um, like bubble, and you're constantly moving all the way around, clean stations, uh, you know, wherever hotels you go, automatically cleaned ahead of time and so on. Um, if you do that, that just costs money that the NHL uh, franchises have to spend. I know I said it on Sportscaster the other night, the Winnipeg Jets made $8 billion in the in the pandemic time. Well, Jeremy Jacobs has not. So I don't see how the Boston Bruins, who are struggling right now, not only as an, as an organization, not on the ice, but as a freaking company, are going to be able to support a lower level team uh, by doubling the amount of money that you're going to have to do to, to, to get them out there and play and develop and continue that way. So I'm just, I'm, I'm at the corner, I'm in the corner right now fighting like a, like a scared cat. I don't want the AHL to go away, but... With the TV revenues and so on, the NHL has a, a better chance of sustainability that way because of uh, the TV and advertising. While the AHL doesn't get a ton of TV time, it's probably going to be the the league that's going to be closing up. I, I freaking hate saying that. I don't have any solid um, facts that they're going to close up, but it's just leaning that way. If anything, it would be this season for a regroup and something like it may, you know, but you don't want it to get that far. It is interesting, though, because certain teams, I don't know, it's like you can't really force teams that haven't been hit to give up too much money extra because all the clubs are already going to have the extra burden of having to sharing the testing and the whatever, or however form in the AHL or NHL or any of the leagues for that matter, how to get it done, right? Um, it's just financially the NHL, it's not, if they were the NFL, it would not be an issue for them to carry the AHL for the, in this, whatever 2000 and let's call it the 2021 season. Cause that's really what it is. Right. Yeah. That's what it's coming down um, to. Yeah. So it's like, it's so hard because it's like, everything's a ripple effect, right? Like, uh, everybody who works there and everybody who plays in these leagues, you know, like, are it's bigger than just the money revenue if they can play this year it's what 
it this could fundamentally change North American hockey in just the way it operates because it's not just the big leagues like the NHL and the AHL. We've talked about the ECHL, you know, Q and them, they're doing what they're trying to do or not do or whatever. We've talked about how college hockey is kind of, it depends on where you are. And we were talking like we have a whole division of hockey right now that can't even travel to each other's states, which is kind of, you know, it breaks my heart. But at the same time, it's like they're going to have to figure it out. Because like the Bruins and every team, they need somewhere to put their prospects and their whatever. And even if it doesn't fully open like the way, maybe there's a way to tweak sponsorships so that maybe you can get them more airtime. You know what I mean? More television time, which we've talked about forever of like, yeah. I'm not, if the Providence Bruins were on more, I'd watch, you know what I mean? Like if I... They were just on TV. You know, I'd stop and watch it, but I'm not. You know, if the um, if the AHL does gonna... not if the AHL does not happen, they'll have to go with like the um, like Black Aces scenario when they can carry yeah. up to 12 players along with them. I mean, that's the only thing that'll work. But it will also put a lot of people out of work that are on AHL contracts and so on. So it's just a it's a nasty situation, no matter what you think about it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, with the Black Aces thing, it's hard to tell that because if the NHL is trying to start in January, say say they start January 25th when the NWHL tournament thing's all going to start, probably the girls, you know, the women are going to start playing their league. That's their target. They obviously have a bubble. We'll talk about that later. But the AHL is not even talking till February. You still have all the training camps and in between, you got to figure out where you can put all the people because they're only going to let so many people in the rinks arenas, wherever you're going to have to have five sessions a day to keep all 55 people that like, at least we're lucky enough that Providence is only an hour away from Boston. Some of these teams clubs aren't right next to them. And we talk about this all the time with the travel, you know, I, I don't know. It just, especially the teams that they're, I understand not asking the teams who do own their affiliate to have to do the burden of other people's teams. But in this case, the teams who are the affiliates, you know, big club like the Bruins are going to have to, to the best of their ability, try to help the lower ones stay afloat. And that's all you can do. But it's just hard to make the decision, say contractually, like, oh, we'll let you carry so many black aces to remedy that. When you don't know when they're going to get called back to their own. What are you talking? Say you write it in, you're thinking it's going to be a month before they start. And you're like, oh, for the first two months or whatever, you can have X amount of players. And then after game 40, you can only have X amount of players. Right. You have no guarantee because either way, like you said, you may be looking at people who have been sort of playing or at least practicing at a higher level like they should be in their professional career. But now they don't have anywhere to go either because none of the other leagues ever opened up. So that's almost like... I don't know. It's just, it's a Pandora's box of hot mess from the top to the bottom, even just, even on youth hockey levels. Like it is not doing good things to the sport of hockey financially uh, in the big business sense. And I hope they can save the AHL because I mean, things like the ECHL may go under, but something like them will replace themselves like um, that level minor pro, but it's a lot harder to restart a, Providence Bruins or, um, you know, whatever, Maine, Maine or whatever, you know? Yeah. So that's it. I don't know. I don't know why I went on a particular rant about that. It's just, I'm frantic because I don't know what to do. I'm like, it's all coming down. It's a apocalypse. 
the whole world was, for all our smarts, we were all taken down by a virus and our inability to go to sporting events in North America. <laughs> we love our sports in North America. Even yesterday I was watching, I know you don't like football, but like Auburn football was on, my aunt loves them. And it's like, they don't only have 100,000 people there every single weekend. There's like, whatever. 25,000, which is a lot of people, but not in a giant stadium that holds 100,000. Like, I don't know. All right. So I guess we're moving on from that. That being said, because no one knows what the heck's going on, I feel like there's conflicting messages. Some clubs are like, hey, come back from Europe. Right. And they're like, start your process. And other clubs are like, oh, man, we're going to send you to Europe because we need something to do with you a little. So that being said, I feel like more of our maybe future black aces or Providence Bruins or Boston Bruins. We've got Vladar and back and Einan are now loaned out. They've gone back. I think um, back, back and Einan had a goal the other day. I thought I yeah, saw his first game. Yeah. So um, I just didn't know if you had anything particular you wanted to hit on about uh, not just Dan Ladesh or your back and Einan, but like seeing some of our potential Boston Bruins next year. How they've been doing overseas? Have you seen any updates? No pressure if you don't. No, no, I, I've I've been paying close attention to a lot of players over there. Like uh, Victor Berglund's been playing well, um, but there's a lot of other players that have taken like kind of a, a downward spiral. Almost like they're getting comfortable now, and like the uh, the big flash of being over there for the first oh, not the first time, but you know to start the year is gone. But uh, no, this uh, you know Lantoshi's playing well. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of good good players over there, and but they, it's so hard to judge because these leagues are so lower than the AHL. So, you know, you could be a star over there as an AHL player, but when you come back over here, it's really what you got to do to to continue to work. But um, I guess my question on that eight for you is: Do you feel at least where where they have landed? Like we talked some of the top, you know, Swiss league, whatever this that the Finnish leagues this. Do you think the club is at least doing the best they can to not let some of these high-end people that we are supposed to be our future Bruins fall apart during this crazy time? Because it's been almost a year for these athletes of this craziness of can't skate here, can't skate there, what you can do, not do. Right. Fans, no fans, playing, not playing. So no. just, do you think the teams got their back? Yeah, I believe so, but it's it's availability too. It's I mean these teams are, I can't accept uh, David Krejci or Bergeron and so on. We're not getting to that uh, extreme. They are young enough to go back to their home countries and play. So um, uh, it's, it's just to keep them sharp and so on. Um, but it, you know, it in a group, if you have a certain section of people that are able to go and play. Send them over, you know. But as soon as uh, training camp starts, those every one of them except for Peter Solarik, uh, will be coming back for for training camp. So they're not staying over there permanently. Everyone's on loan except for Peter Solarik. Yeah. So. Well, I think my um, it, that's what I mean. Though, is I feel it's like kind of a like we're leaving people there, but also calling people home. It's like when is the right call to do that? Because if it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's better to leave them there as long as they can. If they can get a full season, even if it's in a league five steps down, I mean, at least they're skating every day and having yep. some kind of competitive. Yep. The repetitions of like real, you know, people can do drills all day long. It doesn't matter what sport or whatever you do. You know, it could be baking, it could be whatever. But like 
you need the repetition, dance, music, whatever it is, in this case, ice hockey. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, think those kids might be all right. And honestly, Peter Solaric, I don't care if you don't show up for training camp. That's just I don't think I don't think he will be here. He's he's a um, contract. Um, okay, you had put on here, so I, I'll just throw it to you about the NHL free agents that they fear that we as a team could oh, fear theoretically be uh, able to get. I'm sorry, I don't know why I can't talk today. Sorry, that's why we have Matt. I mean, are we still on the Hoffman train? Because no, it's else not that. Can... It's it's um, Logan Mullen of of Nesson wrote an article to um, about the um, some ideas that you can have with the, the cap space that, that you have now with uh, Jake DeVos signed. So you have a little, uh, around $3 million. So, I mean, one of, one of them that I, I, I did remember was like a Michael Granlin. Did you take a chance on that? Or with the cap space, you take a chance on Ilya Kolvachuk. He had that name in there. I don't want to go that far, but, um, you know, there are some players out there that can help, but more or less right now, for me, I think that the the idea that Logan's pulling out there is probably one that's cheap enough that you're going to be pushing some of these young players for jobs. Much like how uh, Brett Ritchie uh, did last summer when he was signed as a free agent to a one-year deal and um, pretty much ended up in Providence over the rest. But uh, the idea of uh, we're going to sign this guy because he's got NHL experience and if you can't cut the roster then, you, you know, he's got the job. So it's pretty much like situations like that because um, there is a little bit, little bit of uh, free availability on the cap. Um, the, the Bruins are a team that spends on the cap, and I don't think the pandemic or anything like that is going to have anything to do with it. I think they have a budget and so on that they stick to, and they want still want to be competitive regardless. So I don't know. I mean, just it was an interesting article uh, just to say, you know, I mean, it probably won't happen. They probably want to have that, that two to three million dollar wiggle room uh, coming up to the trade deadline. So um, anything could happen. But no, I think I thought it was an interesting article that Logan wrote and just uh, the research that he did on um, what could come this way with with the uh, the cap flexibility that the Bruins currently have. Well, I admit that I did not actually read the article, so sorry I couldn't help you remember some of the names. No, but I, I just, have it that I, I was going to click on. And read. Something's going on with the computer over here, and I can't pull up links right now. So hopefully what? this is being recorded and so on, because yeah. I'll lose my shit if it doesn't. I apologize because he is a great writer, and I really normally would just fly through the article. I just didn't quite read to it. I was thinking Mark will be ready, but then of course technology always. Always, us all, every time we try to do all anything time. all the time um all right so we talked about that the nwhl is they they are coming back there's going to be um a bubble at lake placid new york storied uh usa usa uh all the teams are going to be there so toronto's going to be with them which is great that it's nice that they let they're letting the Toronto Six in their inaugural year come across the border and participate in their first season and not have to look via Zoom and watch the games or whatever craziness might happen. Uh, but I believe each team's playing five games and then they're going to do play for the cup. And that being said, uh, if anything, at least we know one league has a solid plan in which that they are coming back in North America to play hockey. And it's a great league. I don't I think. They're on Twitch is what you could you can watch their games on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't gotten any any clarity on exactly what platform they're going to be on, but they were yeah. on Twitch last year, and yeah. uh, and through the Isabel Cup playoffs until the very end when they they couldn't finish 
uh, the, the the cup because of the you know the pandemic, obviously. But it was uh, it was with the Boston Pride, who had the best record in Boston. They were the best professional team in Boston, hands down, with that record of like twenty one and one. It was just an absolute crazy season. So um, it's really good that these uh, these ladies are going to get back on the ice in a situation like this. I think Lake Placid is a very good uh, bubble area for the for the programs, not only travel wise. Um, I mean the Buttes, the the, um, the Boston Pride, and you know why not give a Canadian team a chance, the new one in Toronto, to come over the border as much the NHL did on the on the return to play over in Canada. So when they did the bubble systems in Toronto and Edmonton, why not give the opportunity to the ladies too to get over here, get some work in, at least get the season in, and uh, and do it safely. So. I'm pumped. I can't wait to watch the Boston Pride in this, uh, in this, in these, in these regular season games, and a tournament uh, coming up. Yeah, and that's what it'll be fun because it's like not an, a whole on tournament. It's kind of like the tournament and the tournament, you know, kind of thing. But we'll have that kind of feeling of we did the summer when it was like just game, couple games, and you, you know. So it'll be a. Uh, awesome to see the ladies back out there and uh, he has to getting another ban up at Logan uh, Go Pride. Uh, I was also thinking logistically, one thing about um, the NWHL teams that even I, they put them in the bubble, which is the smartest thing. And it's a great backdrop to really draw attention and market, market, market. What You know what I mean? Like market, market, USA, market, Canada, you know, USA, hockey, Canada, the ladies sport, whatever you want. I mean, it's just, you don't even have to do that. It says so much. It, uh, Lake Placid says so much about the sport of hockey and having these women here. It's like a backdrop of a perfect setting of how great moments are made or where great moments are made. You know what I mean? Uh, And it should be super fun. That's all I want to say about that. Okay. um, We talked about Tori Krug earlier in the show and Liam misses Tori Krug and I miss Tori Krug. And so does Brad Marchand, I think, because now he chirps himself (laughs) on like Instagram and Twitter. And I just, I only am bringing it up because... Uh. It's hilarious. I just like the one reply that just sums it up. So he basically chirped himself about, uh, he said, it's like when you leave the house, it was that same picture we talked about with the Bruins TikTok and he messes it. Uh, You know, but what is it? And this guy had said to him, imagine 16,000 people watching the most embarrassing moment of your professional career. Sorry for your losing your pride in that moment, Brad. And he said, imagine 16,000 people were ever watching you do anything. Beat Pigeon. So I just beat it, Pigeon. So I just want to say, don't chirp with Narshawn if you don't want to get chirped back. This guy, first of all, that is not his most embarrassing moment. He has literally lost two Stanley... No offense, Brad. I don't want you to get upset if you hear this. You lost two Stanley Cups and have been videotaped licking another grown man. That is not the most embarrassing moment of your career. I can He'll assure probably you. hear but, it because we got a review from Patrice Bergeron that says that he's going to be uh, sh- sharing the show with uh, his teammates. Did yeah. you see that review? I have not been to look at the reviews. Admittedly, yeah, I was going to Go look, look at the up. review. It's pretty funny. I don't think it's Patrice yeah. Bergeron, but it says... Patrice Bergeron, and he's going to share the, the, the podcast with his teammates because he, well, he loves it. it. He thinks the knowledge is spot on, and we're right about everything. So well, I, I think we're getting well, trolled from somebody, yeah. but to be honest with you, it's, it was kind of funny. Yes, well, if I'm going to be trolled, I want it to be someone who's going to pretend to be Patrice Bergeron. It's better than getting trolled by my enemy. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Like, you know it is. Oh, look. Uh, and you know me, I'll read them all. The trolls, the lovers, the haters, the the satirical comments. I don't care. But 
That being said, if it was Bergeron, well, great. That'd be awesome if you could share it with your teammates because <laughs> that would be And he gave us five stars, so, so even better. Uh, hey, as long as they gave us five stars, that's all I care exactly. about. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Like we said, give us a two-star. We just want to know. Tell us how you feel. We just want you to know. Speaking of that, make sure you go and rate and review the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast 205 after you're done finishing listening to this. Okay. Exactly. Um, uh, okay, so I we're, we don't have that much more to go. I, I feel kind of weird without Matt here and his, like, you know, just spaz it up a little bit. But I did want to make mention that um, Fred Saskamoose passed away this week. He was the first Indigenous NHL player. Uh, it, he was a very important to the Indigenous community in, like, Alberta and Saskatchewan and that area. Um, and he played, I believe, the Chicago Blackhawks. But just like Willie O'Ree, uh, being a minority player in a league in the early 50s in the United States is not an easy task. Uh, but he seems to be loved and mourned. And obviously, uh, we don't recognize our indigenous uh, heroes in North America, nor- not north or south of the border as of we should. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, our thoughts are with family, friends, and his community because... That's a big deal. And he led the way for others to come after him as so many trailblazers do. And like I said, just watching the outpouring of love from people on hockey. And I just wanted to mention it before we start wrapping up like the hockey talk. All right. Well, that being said, why don't we do the hashtag ask BNGs? Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. We got a couple. Sorry. I feel like we've gone dark. Okay. Stay focused. We got this. We got this. Okay. Uh, so we, I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I don't miss anyone. So start at the beginning when you get to the end, stop. Okay. So, uh, Chris Blackie at Chris underscore Blackie, our friend, Diane McCreechie held together, uh, asks, what is the plan with John Moore going forward? Um, John Moore needs 40 games to be, uh, able to move in the, uh, expansion draft so um that's probably where we're gonna stick he's probably gonna be with the team uh for the remainder of his contract because i don't uh, unless they buy him out and they should have done that when they had the buyout window um but um yeah i i, I don't know it, it, i believe that the boston bruins have explored options to move him and even maybe package him i don't think that other teams were that interested in him um he, he's very serviceable and so on, but in these in these cap times, uh, that his his dollar value is needed elsewhere in internal stuff like that with throughout the organizations in the NHL. So I just don't see a heavy market for him. I don't, and so many people just say, "Oh, you want to save money? Just trade more." It's not that easy. If if no, if you don't have a trade partner, you just can't get rid of that money. Yeah, um, I think part of it is right now we're just sitting on more because. God knows we don't know what will happen with Kevin Miller if and when he does come back, right? And also, we're not sure what the kids who might make the team and not make the team. And then I think John Moore, because I don't think, honestly, as much as I'm starting to not think we're even going to get 40 games in for him to be eligible to maybe find a new home. That's true. So I I think a spe- now going back and trying to move more is going to actually be more to the Bruins' advantage because of all the salary cap and the crap and all that. So more, I mean, he 
if he needs he now he's not going to be a top two but he is a guy if someone gets injured could certainly come into your lineup and he is not that expensive he's i just, mean who are we to who are we to judge we just gave kevin miller 2.5 yeah, million dollars and he hasn't even played hockey at least he's going to be a healthier more right so i mean a healthier more, miller, miller i mean i'm sorry right he he may or but still that's a lot of catch up to do with your peers <laughs> two right. years worth you know and Again, it's not like he can do normal rehab baying back on the ice necessarily, depending on where he's located and if the sky is blue and if the moon is over there. No one knows. Every day changes. Right. Uh, but uh, that's what I think. And then I think at the trade deadline, they're going to package him and get rid of him somewhere because God knows we'll still be trying to get Krejci right winger. That's <laughs> or, true. That's how we do it every day, every time at the trade deadline. Hasn't worked out yet. Maybe we should try doing that in the offseason and see if it works out. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Uh, okay, so Chris Fevens, is that how you do you know him? Like that, think how you say it. Sorry, Bruins Fever One or says, uh, will next year be Tuka's last year as in a Bruins uniform? I'm saying yes, that's what he says. He's saying yes. I didn't answer. I'm asking you. I'm probably gonna say yes. Um, and but probably would be an awesome idea to get him at least another year or two contracts in case you just want to create a little bit of of uh, uh, time for the development goalies to get some more time down the AHL. But um, I, this is the way things are lining up and all the news that's coming out and so on. I think he's going to obligate his, his last year and probably call it, call it then. Um, I think Tuka Rask is the same as David Krejci. Uh, Krejci might go and play. Tuka will either retire or play. You know what I mean? David's either going to go home or play here probably another season. But I still hold to what I was saying earlier with like David Krejci might do one year extension just to go out with Bergeron and Tuca. Although Bergeron is obviously, he's so weird. He, even though Char's older, Bergeron is our senior, you know, whatever member of the squad. And maybe them all go, our core all ball out around the same exact time. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, some of them are a little younger, but that's what I think. I think he will maybe one more year, but. That's more to say what happens this year because I think there's going to be a lot of players that are either on the fence about retirement. Re if things don't go off this year, like in a sort of normal fashion, even if fans aren't in the building, there's going to be a lot of people that it's like, you know what? Well, I mean, they're athletes, right? By the time you get to your 30, you're like, you're not an old man in the real world, but like it's maybe not worth it. Maybe I'd rather go to my daughter's dance recital or, you know, whatever my son's art show. Like it's sometimes becoming a parent and a life partner or just even living your life. Like, you know, maybe you never got married and had kids, but you just always wanted to go to Bali. I don't know. So I say yes. Okay. Uh, and Maria of Watertown, Maria of H2O town, our friend and um, member of the family here. Uh, is anyone besides me worried about the lack of progress between the NHL and NHLPA on the plans for an upcoming season? A January 1st start seems like it may not be realistic at this point. Uh, I think I think it is a realistic point. Um, I, you know, the fans in the stands is, no, is not realistic. Um, but the longer they wait is, is the thing. Is they have to get something in place sooner or later about the agreement that they made for the return to play and what they're do, going to do moving forward with uh, the escrows and, and, and whatever that whole situation is. 
Um, hopefully it gets done, uh, but the longer they wait, the more they're going to have to go back and, and possibly further into the middle of the month or even the end of the month. But hopefully something happens. So, uh, yeah, I am a little concerned about the lack of progress and I wasn't until we've been hearing that nobody talked to each other for a week or so. That's a little concerning because the bigger issue is going to be coming back this time of year. The players usually get to have Christmas, you know, or like be at least playing closer. They try to let, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly be playing each other. So it doesn't, it's not a lot of travel or whatever. Um, that does concern me. And like you said, I mean, the clock is on though. I'm not saying for the whole season, but de- like a January 1st start time, they're going to, at this point, you're going to have them come in and have to do all their quarantining and all of that or whatever to their respective place. There's not even, at least before we knew they were going to maybe do bubbles and there was court, kind of an actual plan you could execute that you're going to have people come back quarantine whether they're out of state out of country or whatever and you've got to have training camps because again these athletes have been going hot cold most of them for almost the better part of a year right so right. we all know it's going to be probably sloppy hockey when it first comes back to some level not you know right uh not quite last year's level but I, um that but I, it's like they do have to make a decision though because if they don't have a decision in the next 10 days they can't start until at least February. And it's going to be a hard sell, especially when they're already kind of in a standstill on escrow and like the need for them to retain more of the money. But the players like, screw, you just said we could have our money. You know, that situation they find themselves in. It's going to be a hard sell to get these players to miss the holidays with their families. And that means you either have to decide that they have to miss the holidays with their families so they can quarantine and do whatever that, or you have to not let them come back until January 1st. And now you're looking at around the 25th, like when the NWHL or even like we said, the AHL, their target date was like February 4th was their new target date. I don't know. It's a hard sell. I, I am concerned, but I don't think that January 1st is realistic, but I haven't ruled out starting in January being realistic, I guess. Sorry for the long, short answer. Uh, Thank you. We are live. All right. And we have one more from Ray Guarino. Thank you at Ray Guarino, who always has our back and a good question for us. Sure and does. He says, uh, what do you think Cassidy will start at? Oh, sorry. Who do you think Cassidy will start at third left wing? I know fans want Bjork, but do you think Cassidy wants Richie there? There always seems to be a schism between who the fans want to play and who Cassidy wants to play. That is a great question. It is actually a good question, and uh, I'm actually really not sure if if, if Nick Ritchie's going to be around. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know how much playing time that guy's going to get with with some uh, some of the youth that's going to be pushing. Um, so I don't know. It remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I I really don't have an honest answer for that. I like Bjork anywhere that he can go with his versatility, but. I'm not a fan of the Richie at all. So sorry, Ray. I, I didn't. I didn't come with this one. Uh, good with this one. I think what Cassidy wants on that third line is what Richie is supposed to represent. What we were supposed to be getting, but I think that Brett Richie at did I say Brett? I meant Nick. Sorry, Brett. Oh, I think <laughs> You've I did already too. been hammered by this fan base enough. I'm talking to you, Nick, the one that actually will probably <laughs> skate. You better come hungry, kid, because if you now, I'm willing to give. Nick Ritchie, and I'm willing to give uh, and- 
uh, Kasha, another, I mean, really, it was a weird when you get traded to another team and then three weeks later, everything shut down and then you don't get to see a team again until a bubble, like, you know, or whatever. I'm willing to give them all a little bit more, but honestly, I don't like what I see with him. Uh, but that being said, he is young. And we always talk about sometimes people are young and, you know, like, so if he comes trimmed to camp and he looks like he's going to be able to use that size and weight the way he should, even some of the ways we talk about Charlie McAvoy using it, you know, just being a physical presence more. Um, I don't need the stupid penalties though. Like if we're going to just fall because you're big and then you're just going to get a bunch of stupid penalties, I don't need that. I need that crazy, nice uh, Nick Ritchie goal. Sorry, I don't need to keep doing that. But, you know, like when you're like, oh my God, he can score. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. That That's what I need. Also, I'm looking at you. Kasha on the backside of that because I've been going to bat for you. So you better show me some magic if you end up on that second line with Krejci. Uh That's all our uh, ask B and G's. Uh, so uh, anything else? I, mean, I don't know. I feel like neither nah. of us are on the top of our game. It's been a long thing. We had an exciting interview. We missed Matt because he the reason we have him is so this doesn't <laughs> whatever's happening right yeah. now is not happening. Uh, but uh, anything else, or do we want to start wrapping it up? Maybe do a little Patreon shout out. Yeah, let's do a Patreon shout out. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who's financially contributing to our Patreon campaign. Um, and for those members who are, there are some fantastic gifts that we're giving away, all Bruins related. We have stuff from Fanatics. We have T-shirts and hats. And uh, it's just uh, the, the store next door. Uh, they have some great stuff that they've uh, we've bought from them up there. So we've put, uh, donated to their cause. And um, we have jerseys. We're going to be doing a jersey giveaway once a month. And we have three months. Actually, four. We have four months. But I only have three jerseys to show you. So the first, the first month of January is going to be a Anders Bjork signed Jersey with a JSF uh, authentication. What I can't I can't talk. Um, authentication. Yeah, whatever. You got it. The next is a Terry O'Reilly jersey signed, and the four the third is can't see because of the stupid thing. Jerry Chivas. And on the way, we have a Charlie Coyle. Signed, jersey, hand-signed, and everything. So, pretty pumped about that. Um, just a dollar. And please go to patreon.com slash Podcast and donate $1 per episode. And um, we're getting a lot of traction on that. I think in the past two or three weeks that we've gotten closer to whenever the season's going to start, we've gained probably 10 Patreons. It's, it's absolutely crazy, and I love it. So, keep them coming. And the more people that get involved, the more we're going to turn that cash around and help pay our, our out-of-pocket costs for operating everything B&G. But also, some of that money goes back into the pool as, as we create more opportunities to get more Bruins-related stuff out to our favorite people, the financial contributions, contributors. So, um, please keep that up. It's, it's an awesome thing. So, um, that's it from that. I just want to say thank you to the listeners and, and the people that share on Facebook and Twitter, the retweets and the love and so on. We really appreciate it. We hope Matt gets better and back uh, with us next week. So to get some kind of structure going on in this in this mess. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm, sorry, Matt. We disappointed it's you. It's our mad when he's, he has this. Um, I just wanted to say make sure you follow Mark, myself, 
Matt, all the great writers and uh, members of the Black and Gold team. Everybody does amazing work, uh, whether it is the graphic designing and the designing of our web page or whatever, and the great podcast and all the great articles uh, going out. Um, Please rate and review the show. Apple is probably the easiest way for me to find it, but we will scan and look for everywhere. Please help spread the news. There's not a lot of Bruins news going on, but we do always try to spread the hockey love and as much Bruins as we can, uh, even if it's with silly things like a, a poll or something like that if we need to, which are actually good. It's good to get in the mind of a fan because Fun. it's easy as a fan to think everything in your own mind. Uh so, yeah, please do that. Uh, check out Mark on Sportscaster. Uh, Tuesday, are you with the Dump and Change Boys again? Yep. That being said, hashtag Movember. Um, I'm pretty sure donate. I know it's only people have about 24 hours between today when this gets released and tomorrow. But if you have not, if it's not even with the Dump and Change Boys. But don't forget, Movember, help raise cancer awareness and money to help support causes along with that and uh that's it i guess i'll shut up that's it matt sorry (laughs) sorry sorry to the listeners i'm sorry uh yeah so we'll end that right there thank you very much for listening uh if you've made it this far we really truly appreciate it and uh we'll be back next week for more bruins hockey talk we'll have uh hopefully some more things to talk about it was great to hear debrus got signed and so on so to get some relative news and updated news Uh, over the week so thank you very much everybody we appreciate it and peace out thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify and soundcloud between shows help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website blackandgoldhockey.com by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out!